spirit this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, no matter the situations that arise in our life, no matter what happens in our future, God, I'm so thankful that you're always there meeting our every need. Thankful for salvation. Thankful for your spirit. And Lord, we worship you. We worship you. And every time I try to make it on my own, every time I try to stand and start to fall. relate to that this morning. Amen. Oh, when the life I kept came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I could see it now. There was Jesus. 
this morning. King of kings, Lord of lords, I worship you. Lord, I'm thankful, Jesus. Jesus. Just close as the mention of his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. I will. 
to be in your presence this morning. We pray right now, God, that we open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear your word, and may we open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us today. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen, amen. Turn to one next to you and say, I'm thankful for the presence of Jesus this morning. Amen. welcomes the company of the hurting, helpless, and the hopeless. What kind of a man can heal the pain with a single soft touch? What kind of a man multiplies hope and freedom as easily as he does fish and bread? Who else can turn our dusty old religion into a brand new relationship? What kind of man would claim to be God in the flesh, but then allow that same flesh to be torn apart? What kind of a man would embrace betrayal? Insults, torture, mockery, and death. And yet, live to tell about it. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody. Who could speak with such authoritative words and yet drench them with compassion? Who could be strong enough to still the storms yet be so meek and humble? Who could allow the hands that created the universe to also be nailed into a wooden cross. Who could choose patience despite deserving immediate and complete obedience? Who could be blameless and without fault and still endure the judgment others deserve? Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody. Who will love us like him? Who will be with us when all others have left? Who comforts us in suffering? Who is our peace? In the midst of anxiety, who reassures me when my mind is drowning in doubt? Who accepts me as I am, no strings attached? Who else will die for me while I'm singing and singing? Who else can turn the grave into Easter morning? Nobody. 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 say nobody but Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Nobody but Jesus. What a wonderful Savior we serve. Wyatt Wheeler is going to help me here in a minute. Wyatt, wherever you are, if you want to come this direction, appreciate your help. A couple things just to remind you of. And uh, one is we do have coffee out and you're going to need to honor social distancing. And if you don't, we'll put the coffee away, children. Okay. <laughs> so if you'll help us, that'll be great. Remember the annual business meeting the last Sunday of this month at 5.30. And encourage you to help us with Sanctity of Life. We're going to support Agape Pregnancy Center. And you can bring new clothes and books, those kinds of things, or gift cards to Walmart. And someone said, um, can we just give cash? Yeah, that'll go in our, through our regular funding to them. I think they would accept anything that you want to give. 
that's green and has denomination numbers on it. You can do that too. So appreciate your help. Well, we're on a journey through the book of Hebrews, Better Things. And we've been talking about last week, talked about what a wonderful Savior. Jesus is better than the angels. <laughs> Hello, someone help me this morning. This is going to be a long row by myself. I said, Jesus is better than the angels. And so this morning we're going to talk about, in addition to a better Savior, this week we, we better pay attention. We have a better Savior, we better pay attention. So I'm going to ask you to pay attention while Wyatt gives us the first four verses of chapter 2. Thank you. Uh, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, uh, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Amen. Thank you, Wyatt. Give Wyatt a hand this morning. Thank you. It is important to pay attention. How many know when you're driving, it's important to pay attention? There are a lot of places where you need to pay attention. Many years ago, when primary means of communication, one of the primary means was Morse code, the company put out an ad they needed to hire another Morse code operator. Six young men applied, and they're sitting in this busy office uh, waiting for their name to be called. And while they're sitting there, they're given forms to be filled out. Uh, as they're sitting there then filling out their forms, the young man who was the last one to arrive gets up and he walks directly into the office. The other five are complaining, like, what is that about? He's made a mistake. He's going to get fired, sure as the world. He's not, or not going to get the job, sure as the world. After he was in there a little bit, the manager came out and said to the rest of the men, you can go now. And they said, well, that's not fair. We didn't even get that an interview. And he said, oh, yes, you did. The entire time that you've been sitting here in the background, in the corner, we've been typing out in Morse code, if you hear this and understand this, come to the office, the job is yours. It's important to pay attention. Come on, I said it's important to pay attention. The writer of Hebrews attaches a warning with each of the principles that we're given going through the book. And chapter 2 is a warning following the understanding of Jesus as a better Savior. It follows the understanding that angels minister to those who inherit salvation. Chapter 1 closes this way. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore. You see, chapter breaks lose some emphasis for us. I want you to feel that and hear that again, the end of chapter 1. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore. So what is it we're paying attention to? This thing that we would call salvation, we are inheriting a wonderful blessing from God. And this morning I need to, I need to confess and perhaps even repent as an evangelical that we have made salvation so simple to receive that we've lost the on wonder of the experience. 
And this morning, I want to recapture that. We have to pay attention to this salvation experience. What do you mean by that? Well, what do we tell people? We tell the whole story and then say, how do you receive this? Just pray and invite Jesus in your life. You're good to go. And I'm not opposed to that at all. You'll hear me say that again and again. But when the price on our part is so low, it's awful easy for us to trivialize the benefit. And this morning, I want to try to recapture from Hebrews chapter 2 what this salvation experience is all about so that we will again capture the awe and wonder of what it means to be children of God who have received this great thing called salvation. We are heirs of salvation. So the first thing that he tells us in this chapter, or she tells us in this chapter, is that salvation was announced by Jesus. Where do we start? Understanding that salvation was proclaimed, it was announced by Jesus. Verse 3, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord. Let's watch how this unpacks. A new way of life, a new way of faith, a new relationship with God, a new covenant from heaven was announced by who? By God the Son himself who went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil and teaching the good news of the kingdom. What did he do for three and a half years? He's preaching what it means to enter into this kingdom relationship. In other words, you can't pray a prayer and stay the same and be an heir of salvation. He provided a whole host of teaching. It was proclaimed by God the Son himself. And then he tells us it was confirmed by firsthand witnesses. Watch how this builds. It was announced by Jesus. After Jesus ascended to the Father, what happened then? There were 120 that gathered in an upper room and were endued with power. And then they began to proclaim the good news of the gospel. 3,000 come to faith. 5,000 come to faith by chapter 4. And as you watch it, it's confirmed or testified by those who heard it. What did they do? They were so impacted by this new experience with God that they began to tell the same story that Jesus told and took it around the world. In that, God confirmed this word with signs following. Are you with me? Jesus announced it. The apostles and believers began to preach it. And then God the, God the Father confirmed it. You read about miracles, signs, and wonders that happened as they preached. And God confirmed the word with signs following. And that didn't just start when Jesus ascended to the Father. How many of you remember when he was baptized in the Jordan River? And while he's being baptized, there's a voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. It was a declaration from God. You need to hear this. And God confirmed it with miracles as the word of God is proclaimed Jesus announced it the disciples began to preach it and God confirmed it with signs and wonders and then he tells us that the Holy Spirit testified to it with spiritual gifts when you understand the gifts of the spirit in first Corinthians word of wisdom word of knowledge discerning of spirits the other gifts that are all part of that come 
for what purpose? Working of miracles, gifts of healing. Why do they come? They're confirming the word. Now watch what I've just portrayed to you. God the Son announced it. God the Father confirmed it. The early church proclaimed it, and God the Holy Spirit supported it with the supernatural. This salvation is a big deal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the early church gave everything they had to proclaim this better salvation. We need to shake ourselves and look in the mirror and say, Son, pay attention to what you've received. It's a big deal. Pay careful attention. It's a warning that follows chapter 1. This salvation needs to be intentional and a purposeful focus. It's not a better Savior and a better salvation if you don't put your heart, mind, and soul into it. I'm sure you've heard the story of the family attending church and the offering plate was passed. It went past dad and he put in a dollar bill. The boy that was about 10 years old saw that. They got in the car, they're driving home, and dad starts complaining about the service. Preaching wasn't that good. Worship team was a little off. People weren't very friendly. Son's sitting in the back seat, and he said, Dad, I thought it was pretty good for a buck. Are you going to pay attention? Are you going to invest your heart, mind, and soul into it? Because the danger that he warns us of is of drifting away, that we not drift away. And it's a picture of a boat or floating on a river and simply passing by. I, um, some Years ago, and I was trying to remember if it was on the Des Moines River exactly where it was, but there was a school uh, event that I went to with my daughter, and uh, we were going to canoe down the river. We got in the canoe, and we had my daughter in the front of the canoe. I was in the back, and this um, sweet tart boy in the middle. I mean, he brought stashes of candy in his pockets. I don't think, he, <laughs> I don't think he'd ever done a, a, a lick of work in his life to that point, and he just sat in the middle. So he wasn't a lot of help, but he kept us from tipping over. <laughs> and my daughter wanted to be first. So what are we going to do? We got in the canoe. And we're paddling for all we're worth down the river. We get past one, we get past another, we get past another, and we're cruising because we're paddling with the current. And then we go on a little bit further, and I'm wondering how far are we supposed to go? There's no signage. How far are we supposed to go? We'd been at this a little while. And I happened to look back over my shoulder after we went under an overpass, a bridge, and I saw a school bus pull up. And I thought, well, that's odd that a school bus would... That's our way out of here. Now we're downstream. I don't know how far we'd have gone before I realized that if that bus had been any later and now we've got to turn around, then I will tell you 
It's a lot more work paddling, or paddling upstream than it is paddling downstream. And if we wanted to get off and catch that bus and make it, do you know why we missed it? Because number one, we're focused on the wrong goal. That was being first. And second, wasn't paying attention to our surroundings. And that's the picture that's created by the word drifting. That you're just going on with life, headed down the road, going along, and you're going to miss the goal. You're going to miss the moments. You're going to miss the experiences because you're not paying attention. Guard against drifting away guard against floating past <laughs> any of you have been driving down the road and then thought I haven't checked the gas gauge for a while how many have ever had that if you have a car with that yellow light that comes on you ignore that to your own peril you've got to pay attention I knew a guy whose wife was driving the car and the red oil engine oil light came on that's called an idiot light for a reason if you keep driving, it's not the wise thing to do. She kept going till the engine seized up. It had run completely out of oil. There was a leak and blown the oil out of the engine. I'm telling you that, it's, that it can create serious problems when you don't pay attention. I was in our garage. I was going to get things off the shelf. Uh, uh, an extension ladder is in place. I got up on the extension ladder, reached for a box. The ladder shoots out from underneath me. And I'm trying to grab onto a flat plywood surface. And that doesn't work unless you've got bear claws. I slid off there, flipped on my back, hit the floor. Do you know why that happened? I wasn't paying attention. The rubber foot pieces on that ladder were up instead of down. I'm telling you that when you're not paying attention, it is a, it's a dangerous place to be. And the warning is, let us celebrate our salvation, but let's pay attention. What's happening in your spiritual life? What's happening in your relationship to God? Does it matter to you? Are you taken up with awe and wonder? Is it number one in your life? Is he the all-sufficient one that your heart craves for as the deer pants for the water brook? So pants my soul after thee oh God does it matter to you but for evangelicals we pray the prayer we're good to go we're going to heaven we live however we want and it's not going to cut it because think about God the son left the glories of heaven dwelt among us died on the cross went into the tomb came out of the tomb ascended to the father the early church is preaching it all over, dying as martyrs, giving their lives. God the Father is confirming it with signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit is confirming it with spiritual gifts. And what does he ask of us? It is true. He only asks that you ask. <laughs> all of that provided. All you have to do is ask. But after you ask, you need to pay attention to your salvation experience. Are you cultivating it? Is it growing? Are you developing that experience? 
Now, it talks about here that it was given by the testimony of angels. And just to clarify that, um, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 1 and 2, and this becomes important a little later on. But the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death in Deuteronomy 33, he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south, from his mountain slopes. What's he describing? is that most often in Scripture, when there's a divine revelation from God, whether we acknowledge it or not, it's accompanied by and carried by the angelic host, the army of God. It happened on Sinai. And the, and the, and the thing that we're reminded of here is that the better than the angels is here, but the angels are the ones that carried the message. So then... How shall we escape if we neglect? Since the message spoken through angels was binding, remember? Watch, the angels are less than the Savior, right? If the message of the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape? if we ignore so great a salvation. <laughs> I'm saying to you, we need to pay attention to it. And evangelicals have, have been guilty of cheap grace and easy believism and pray the prayer and slide into heaven. And I'm telling you, that won't cut it. And if you want me to kind of prophesy a little bit, I'm telling you that the ride we took in 2020 isn't over, and there's a different kind of ride we're going to take in 2021, and it's not going to be any smoother in 2021 than it was in 2020. You better pay attention to your salvation, lest you slip by, lest you drift away, because we will not escape the judgment to come by praying a prayer if we ignore our salvation. Now, I know this is a heavy load, but it's the warning that Hebrews gives to us in this great salvation. So, we understand it to be announced by Jesus. You know what else we know? It is empowered by Jesus. Look at verse 5. It's amazing what it says here in verse 5. It is not to the angels that is subjected the world to come. You see, they help carry it, but they're not the ones that the world will submit to. Now, this is an amazing unfolding of, of, of God's um, redemptive work. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? The psalmist is saying, what is man that you care about man? And the son of man that you care for him? You've made mankind a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Mankind is a lower creation at this time in God's creative plan. But it's mankind that he's crowned with glory and honor. And it's mankind that he's put all things under their feet. Again, this isn't about the angels. When you see how wonderful and glorious and magnificent they are, we've been a little less. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came to earth... 
the creator of the universe that created the angelic host that ruled over them in eternity past, he was willing to do what? He left heaven and took a lesser place beneath the angels. <laughs> Did that for us. Is there anyone in the house this morning? The sacrifice that he made to be made less than the angels in order to reach us. It's empowered by Jesus. The creative beings that worship around the throne became secondary to God's redemptive plan. There's no redemption for fallen angels that once worshiped around the throne, but the world to come will be ruled by mankind as all things are under our feet. So church, hear me this morning. I, I, I want to rattle us a little bit. We have this idea, yeah, we're all going to heaven. We're all going to be happy. We're all going to have potlucks and parties and picnics. No, 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 no. Listen, God has a plan for his created world beyond the end of this age. We are going to rule and reign with him. And our place in that kingdom, will all that are believers washed in the blood, we're all going to get in. But we're not all going to have the same reward. Some are going to be given greater responsibility based on what? Based on how close they paid attention to their salvation in this time of grace. And what they did with their salvation in this time of grace. This goes on forever. We're not going to sit on a cloud and play a harp or sit on a harp and play a cloud. We're not going to do either of those things. We're going to move forward in a plan that he has. Do you think he made this universe so big and glorious and majestic just for one blue planet in the middle of it? And then that's going to be done not on your life. The universe is the house of God. It was created for him and his majesty and he's got more work to do and we were created to be part of that it's all going to be under our feet if we pay attention to this salvation it's empowered by Jesus verse 9 <laughs> but we do see Jesus we do see Jesus Nobody but Jesus. We do see Jesus. It's Jesus. That song we sang, Pastor Nathan, I can't think of the lyrics, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But we see Jesus. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while but crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God... Are you hearing me this morning? Not by the judgment of God, but by the grace of God. What are you seeing when you hear him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What are you seeing? You're seeing the grace of God because he bore our sin and our sickness and our death so that we could have newness of life. We see Jesus. He tasted death for all of us. <laughs> it's empowered by him. So we have this salvation that was announced by Jesus. We have this salvation that was empowered by Jesus. 
And third, we have this salvation that is secured by Jesus. Look at verse 10, and we're going to take a little bit of time in this second half um, to understand what this salvation experience means. Are you, still, are you still with me? Everybody ready? All this is introduction. We're going to get to the rest of the chapter now. Chapter 10, or verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, <laughs> should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. That becomes the premise for the rest of the chapter. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, who is that? Hold up your hand if that's you. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting, it was right, it was apt, it was timely. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation. Who is that? Jesus. Make the pioneer of their salvation, the human Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Salvation is about what he has done and provided for us. Now, I want to talk to you about this security before we see now the five things that your salvation provides for you. And before we get into those, I want to take a moment to talk about the theological debate of Arminianism versus Calvinism. Whether once saved, always saved is right, or whether you, you, know, you, you can forfeit your salvation. Let me just tell you, if you're paying attention to your salvation, that argument doesn't matter. Because my salvation doesn't depend on my ability to perform. It depends on the fact that he has already paid. He's already provided. So when people say, well, I can do whatever I want and still go to heaven. You're not paying attention to your salvation. Well, can I lose it? Why would you even ask the question? It's like if a married couple came to me for counseling and said, a pastor, do you think it's possible for us to fall out of love? How many would know there's a problem there in the mindset toward the covenant? You don't want to enter into marriage worrying about whether you're going to fall out of love. You enter into marriage committed to doing everything you can to keep love alive. Is there anyone in the house this morning? That becomes the focus. It's not about, um, do you think it'd be all right if we got a divorce someday? Do you think it'd be all right if things didn't work out? That marriage is doomed to fail. If you want your marriage to succeed, you have to pay attention to it. And the focus has got to be on both sides of the equation, not one without the other, but on both sides of the equation saying, I'm going to do everything I can can to stay in love with my spouse so why are we arguing about whether or not you can lose it the reality is you don't have to and it is secured by him all you have to do is pay attention and not neglect your salvation so don't misunderstand me I'm not a Calvinist so hear me clearly. If you pay attention and don't neglect your salvation, you can't lose it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're paying attention and you don't neglect it, you can't lose it because it's secured 
by one who was made a little lower than the angels, who tasted death for all men, who was made perfect through the things that he suffered. Let's pay attention and not neglect the gift that he has given to us. Because it provides five really important things. Verse 10, it provides glorification. The context is the restitution of all things. There is a day coming that we will all celebrate together in God's plan for the ages. The context, again, is the restoration of all things. Romans tells us that all creation groans and travails in hope of the manifestation of the sons of God. There's a day coming when everything will be made right, that this old heaven and earth will be consumed by fire, and there will be a new heaven and earth wherein dwells righteousness, and a plan that goes on forever, and we're going to be part of that. Why? Because the captain of our salvation, the pioneer of our faith was made perfect and he offers us the opportunity to be glorified with him and just as he was glorified and is on the right hand of the Father, so one day shall we be. The bondages of this flesh will be gone. The limitations of my experience will be gone. No more aches, no more pains, no more... Struggling for health, but glorified. That's what he makes available to us. Verses 11 to 13, it provides sanctification. This, this is so, so good. I, I, I thought I should line up about 10 people in that corner and just have you run around the room about five times. This next section is that good. Are you ready? I'm afraid somebody's going to get so excited they're going to pass out. If you grab a hold of this, this is amazing truth. You say, are you trying to set us up? Well, kind of. Both the one who makes people holy (laughs) and those who are made holy are of the same family. (laughs) you became part of the family of God when he redeemed you. And we sing that like the family of God is about us. Oh, I'm going to tell you, one of the most powerful meetings I've ever been in, I just can't hardly stand it, and that's going to an adoption, um, a legal adoption ceremony in the courthouse when they pronounce the forever family for this adopted child. We've been to a few of those, and you're supposed to get up and speak, and my wife torments me. She elbows me and says, you need to get up and say something, and I can't. I mean, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to stand up and blubber like a baby and sound like an idiot, and I don't like that. And so I get up, so wonderful and so, why? Because in that moment, a child that was rejected, that was cast off, that had no one to care for them, somebody stands up and says, we'll love this child, we'll love this baby so much so that we'll give this child our name in a forever family and we will care for them the rest of the days of our lives. That's what Jesus did for us. He brought us in. He gave us his name and we're part of his family. 
part of his family. And he says, <laughs> this makes me laugh. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, come on. Are you proud of everybody that claims to be a Christian? Some of us are a little odd. And if you can't think of anybody, you're the one. We're a little odd. How many of you have family gatherings you go to and you hope that one uncle doesn't show up? Or maybe so much so that it's a brother or sister that you hope stays away. Come on, don't act like you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, how many know what I'm talking about? There's a family member, like, if they just wouldn't come, this would be so much better. I, I, it's gotten better in our family and we're working on it, but I, I shouldn't say this. This is going everywhere. But I do have a sister. I have four. And one of them knows how to... She knows how to push my buttons. How many of you have one of those? Yeah. And you just think, I wish they'd not do that. <laughs> I wish they'd not do that. It might be that you have a family member that you're just ashamed if they show up. But you know what God says about us all? Oh, dear Jesus. He's not ashamed to call any of us family. I said he's not ashamed to call any of us family. Barry, he puts his arm around you and, and stands you up on the platform, says, this is my brother right here. This is my brother right here. Points us out. He's proud to let everybody know that we are God the Father. Is not ashamed to call us family with all of our scars and our messed up ways and our brokenness because Jesus provided a whole new life for us and he is not ashamed of us so when you pray and you say I don't think he's listening to me shut up <laughs> he's not ashamed of you he loves you he beckons you to come to him that's what it says he sanctified you and do you know what sanctified means it means to set apart from something and set apart to something that's what adoption does what does adoption do it sets apart a child from something a previous connection is severed come on legally it's severed now what the families do that's up to them but legally it's severed you're separated from something and you're separated to something I've been set free from the devil. I've had that family name taken away from me. He's cut me off from that, and I'm separated to the family of God. I have every right to walk into that family gathering as anyone in this room has. It doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what your role is. It doesn't matter how spiritual someone thinks you are, how spiritual they think you're not. I'm a child of God. 
And when I get to the door, he welcomes me in. There's nothing but welcome in the Father's house. There's a place set for me at the Father's table. And his banner over me is love. When I sit at his banqueting table, he has everything that I need. And there's no second class. There's no wannabes. There's no children in training. We're all in the household of faith because of what the pioneer of our salvation did for us. Sanctification. Third, he provides for us deliverance. Look at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. (laughs) So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Let me tell you something that I know. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, any chains that enslave someone's life were broken. Not will be, were broken in the moment that he died. You just have to lay claim to that and stand on that and walk in that. I don't care what the addiction is. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the failure is. He broke those bondages. A drug addict comes to the front of the auditorium, wants prayer. I know they probably need some help and they'll need someone gathered around and they'll need people to counsel them. Why? Not because of the weakness of the provision, but because of their inability to enter into it because the provision paid the price in full. And I've watched Jesus break those bonds. I've watched him set people free that he delivers from darkness. I don't have to wring my hands and wonder how are they going to do it? How are they going to get out of this mess? I just need to introduce them to the pioneer of our salvation who already died and paid that price and watch him destroy the yoke of bondage because where the anointing is the yoke is destroyed and I think don't take this wrong I'm so thankful for counselors and people who will help and we need the body of Christ but I think if we paid more attention to our salvation we wouldn't have to have as many people in therapy some need it don't take that don't don't go there but I'm saying to you he either paid it or he didn't he either broke it or he didn't and if you're in the family he did it for you how many are glad for the delivering power of Jesus Christ the delivering power of Jesus Christ What does this salvation provide when you pay attention? Glorification, sanctification, deliverance, and verse 17, atonement. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. I don't know if you know how big a deal that is. God could not die for you because he wasn't flesh. The principle of scripture is that if you shed blood, your blood will be shed. One person can pay for their own sins, but can't pay for the sins of the other. And if there were a God who could come and and stand in our place, it wouldn't work because he's not human. On the other side, if you had a perfect human, 
who could live perfect in every way. The finiteness of the human flesh would only allow that person to pay for one other person's bill. It's a one-to-one ratio. But if in some incredibly unique and powerful, mystical, mysterious, unexplainable way, you could bring together a perfect human and the deity of God into one vessel. You have infinity, infinite, infinity and finiteness in the same spot. Explain that to me. And in the moment of finiteness, paying the penalty for flesh and blood, that becomes multiplied by the infinity of deity, and he paid for us all. It was the only way for us to be redeemed. And that word atonement is a big one. This is a simple definition. But sin separates us from God. And you can argue that however you want. We can talk about it. I believe in grace and long-suffering and all of that. But in the moment you sin, your fellowship with God is broken. The relationship isn't what it should be. There's a break. And if you reject his provision, then you're eternally damned by sin. And what that means is you're at odds with God. I tried to communicate this to our kids growing up. When they would do something wrong in rebellion against me or their mother is to say to them, not only is your action wrong, but it has damaged our relationship in this moment. And the only way to repair our relationship is for you to repent. Not just say you're sorry, but to repent and get back in harmony with the family. And then would say to them, that same distance that you're feeling now is the distance you have with God. And our discipline process wasn't complete until they repented before God and repented before us so that both relationships could be made one. Simple definition of atonement, if you break the word apart, it's simplistic, but it's accurate, is at one meant. Those who were divided are now made at one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, God and I are like this. Hello? God and I are like this. I don't know what your relationship is, but God and I got it going. Why? Because he made us that way. He made us at one. Last thing that it does, and it all rolls around to this in verse 18. Because he himself suffered <laughs> when he was tempted. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. <laughs> Oh, you're never alone. You're never at a place that he doesn't know what you're going through. He's been there. 
You want to talk about rejection? He's been there. You want to talk about pain? He's been there. You want to talk about suffering? He's been there. You want to talk about being hungry? He's been there. You want to talk about being thirsty? He's been there. You want to talk about betrayal? He's been there. You list the list of categories that we can be wounded by, and he walks along and says, son, daughter, I know what you've been going through. I've walked that road myself, and I'm here to walk alongside you and tell you that better things are coming. A better day is coming. A better answer is coming. He can help us because he's been there. <laughs> I don't know how you are, but I was, I was walking out of Walmart and there was a car in the parking lot with a hood up. And my natural inclination is to go over and see if I can help. Now, I'm, I'll, I'm not a mechanic. There's not much I can do. But there are a few things I might notice. And if they needed a ride or something, I'd be there. My nature is to try to help. I also know that's dangerous because you can put your head in over the engine then slam the hood down and kill you and take your money. You know, so I know that. <laughs> it's a dangerous world. I get that. So don't, children, don't, don't. But I stood there and watched, and this other guy walked up ahead of me and offered to help, and it was clear. I couldn't see the guy under the hood, but I could see the guy standing there, and it was clear that the guy under the hood didn't want any help because the guy that walked up went, okay, and walked away. Well, I didn't feel like I, I tried to learn from other people's mistakes, so I just walked away without being rejected. It was a good day. But if I have the hood, watch, of my car up and someone walks up to help and they say, wow, this is the first time I've seen an engine with, uh, under the hood. They can just go. But if somebody else walks up and they were driving a tow truck, and they've got a back filled with tools. And they're a certified mechanic. I'm going to listen to somebody who's been there. Come on, are you hearing me? Jesus will never come alongside you and say, this is perplexing. You've done something no one else has ever done. I've never seen anyone in a mess like this. I... I I don't know what to do with you. I'll go talk to Michael. See if the angels know anything. No, he's been there. So when you go to him, you're not going to a God of far off. You're not going to a God who doesn't know. Oh, he knows what it's like to cry through the night and feel the rejection of the father. He knows what it's like to walk alone, to be betrayed, to suffer all the pains of this life. He knows what it's like. And he's able to help you. <laughs> I'll tell you one other thing I really don't like is when you've got an ache or a pain. How many have had? You might have one right now, an ache or a pain of some sort. Hold up your hands. And you tell someone, 
They said, oh, yeah, my uncle had that, and he died three weeks later. I don't need you in my life. I need someone who can help me. Because the one who feels your pain is also God himself and has all the resources of heaven to bring alongside you to help you in your time of need. Pay attention to your salvation. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come. And what comes with that is glorification, sanctification, deliverance, atonement, and help in your time of need. We have a better Savior, a better salvation, and we need to pay attention. So here's what I'm going to ask. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment, please. This is going to be a tough question. No one's looking around. Online in the North Chapel here in the main auditorium, it's for all of us. I wonder how many would be willing to admit that you're in a place today where you've simply taken your salvation experience for granted. You've quit paying attention. And God has grabbed hold of your heart and said, if you will start paying attention and not neglect my gift, you'll see supernatural things happen in your life. With no one looking around, if that's you this morning, just slip up your hand and say, I'm going to start paying attention. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If we will all start paying attention and not neglect, he'll do the supernatural. Let's stand together. Let's close our time this morning with a little bit of worship and make sure that we put salvation in the forefront where it belongs. And every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand to start to fall There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then but I could see it now There was Jesus Yeah. Hey.
must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great salvation? My prayer this morning, and I hope yours as well that I will give my attention to my salvation provided by a better Savior whose name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whose name is Jesus.